Baby back door, baby fall off. Sipping codeine, cause I gotta kill the cold. Let me sit sideways in the big bins. Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. Now it's time to go to work. There's not one guy in the history of this program that's bigger than the program. <laughs> Listening to Brandon Drum. Look, I think the program's moving in a great direction. And Parker Thune. Venables knows what he's doing. This is the OU Insider Under the Visor Podcast. Welcome to another OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners podcast brought to you by 247 Sports. My name is Brandon Drum. I'm here with Parker Thune, and we have a special guest today. The GOAT, Steve Wiltfong, is here, National Recruiting Director uh, for 24-7 Sports, is on with us today. Steve, how are you doing? Doing well. What's going on, boys? Oh, man, just trying to grind. Uh, Should be uh, some more announcements coming up here this month. Uh, some potential news, maybe for a lot of guys that we want to talk to you about. I know that there's, you know, numerous different things going on uh, with several players uh, that Oklahoma is in on uh, and our listeners are going to love hearing that. Um, I guess we start uh, with this, the, the staff. I mean, I think that's the first thing you got to start with, with Brent Venable's staff. Yeah. The, the Gundy situations, uh, a rough situation for everybody around. Uh, nobody saw that coming. <laughs> so uh, that was a, that was a weird deal. Uh, but uh, still LaDamian Washington being who he is, he's been part of the recruiting process through Oklahoma, through the wide receivers, um, helped out with all three of the commit, all two of the commits, excuse me. And I thought there was a third, but there's two, uh, all two of the commits and um, just, your thoughts on the overall staff and have you heard any buzz rumblings of, you know, any issues since the Gundy situation arised nationally? Um, I haven't heard anything beyond obviously the changes that you just explained. You know, when I look at Oklahoma's coaching staff from a recruiting standpoint, and I think from top to bottom, it's pretty damn good. You know, I think, you obviously look at Jeff Levy, his relationship with Jackson Arnold's a big reason why Jackson Arnold's a Sooner and why y'all have one of the top quarterbacks, if not the top quarterback in the country committed. You know, I mean, Todd Bates and his reputation speaks for itself. And he's already had some massive recruiting wins 
on the trail. And same with Coach Bill Biedenbaugh, who's one of the better recruiters and developers at the position uh, in, in the country nationally. And man, I'll tell you the, the, the name on this coaching staff, you know, and again, Jay Valai, DeMarco Murray, I mean, those guys are, are stud recruiters as well. Um, and then certainly you see coach Chavis and his energy on Twitter and social media and those platforms and hearing recruits talk about him, but uh, Ted Roof, he's a guy that people enjoy being around on visits and, and, and parents enjoy being being around, um, being around him on visits, you know, our, uh, uh, he's, he's a guy that I, I think has been helpful for Oklahoma on the trail as well. Now, Steve, you mentioned Jackson Arnold and, uh, we heard you say at the elite 11, uh, you think there's a very good chance Arnold is in the conversation come the end of the year, uh, for the number one quarterback spot in this class and potentially the number one overall spot in this class. Uh, as you look at the level of competition that Arnold's going to face in the state of Texas, his performance at the elite 11, which was outstanding, obviously an MVP caliber performance. What do you think Arnold needs to do as a senior to help elevate him to that conversation, whether that's a statistical benchmark, just the overall evaluation of the film. If there's one thing that he needs to accomplish between now and December to solidify himself as a contender for the number one overall spot in the 2023 recruiting class, what do you think that is? Well, in the Steve Wilfong rankings, he, you know, he's a guy that's, um, pretty high on that on that list going into the season already. I thought he, I thought he had the best film of any quarterback in the class last year. Uh, threw for almost four thousand yards and thirty four touchdowns to just five interceptions against the best slate of competition of any quarterback in the country with six hundred sixty rushing yards and, and twelve more scores. The performance against Austin Westlake, the performance against Allen. I think those are games that. You know, he didn't win, but just showed the toughness that he brings to the football field in addition to his ability. At the Elite 11 Finals, I thought he was the most talented thrower of the football in that setting. Um, and this is a really good quarterback class. Now, you, where you start getting into the debate is projecting upside and things like that. I mean, Dante Moore is a special prospect. Arch Manning, you know, has all the intangibles and all the, uh, the I mean, the high football uh, IQ and, and moving moving things around on, on the field like a chessboard. I mean, I've seen Dante Moore live, the toughness he plays with. I saw him lose a game to Carmel and still throw for over 400 yards and complete a touchdown pass that looked like the game winner with about 15 seconds to go. Who, who knew that an on, or a short kick and an onside excuse me, a short kick and a Hail Mary would, would, would end in a defeat. But, uh, uh, you know, there's so many talented quarterbacks in this class, Malachi Nelson. Uh, but, but to me, Jackson Arnold, the junior year he had was the most impressive to me as far as finishing these guys play as a senior. I don't know if you just say if Jackson Arnold does this, he'll be number one. I mean, Dante Moore let his team to a state championship and, and touchdowns in just three. Uh, and he took his team deep in the playoffs. We'll see what kind of year Malachi Nelson has or Nico Yamaleva has, you know, to name a few. But for Jackson Arnold in, in Oklahoma, who cares what his ranking is? 
this is a franchise quarterback. This is a, one of the premier guys at the position in this class and, and, and guys that maintain a standard in a room that you're accustomed to at Oklahoma with previous Heisman Trophy winners and guys that have won a lot of ball games. And I think Jackson Arnold is capable uh, of having as much success as, you know, the recent quarterbacks that we've seen at Oklahoma have had. You brought up how deep this quarterback class is. Is this you've been covering this far longer than I have, far longer than obviously Parker has, and in in your you know kind of evaluation, do you think that this is one of the deeper classes you've ever covered as far as it goes, as as far as the uh, quarterback position goes? Uh, man, my retention and for things like that, I'm just not the best historian. If you ask me a question, I'll remember the answer. Um, I know that this class um, has several guys in it that I'd be confident that I think could be potentially championship level players. I don't know if I felt that way uh, last year. I know there's a few guys I really liked, Club Nick, Ty Simpson, uh, um, guys that immediately come to mind for me. Um, but um, you know, this was a class when you look, look at it, Arch Manning, Dante Moore, Nico Malachi, Jackson Arnold. Um, those are guys that, um, you know, I think are, are, are very talented, high upside quarterbacks that uh, you can be very excited about. And then Jaden Rashada, Chris Vizina, Nova Sad, you know, those are guys that, um, you know, are extremely talented. And then even, you know, Avery Johnson, to Kansas State's big and Eli Holstein and Dylan Lonergan were recruited by some of the biggest programs in the country. There, you know, it's an exciting quarterback class, that's for sure. How it stacks up historically, I'm never good at answering that. Now, Steve, I want to shift the focus a little bit because uh, one of the recruitments that has become a particular interest to Sooner fans uh, over the last few months, and one that uh, Brandon and I have reported extensively on. Uh, is the situation with Peyton Bowen. And uh, obviously, you know, the Notre Dame scene very well. It came up in the business covering Notre Dame. So uh, that's a school that, uh, you know, you you understand uh, the vibes up there. Uh, and especially as the director of recruiting at 24-7 sports, you know, you got your hand on the pulse uh, a lot more than anybody uh, regionally would have. So as you as you think about this from the Notre Dame perspective, as well as the perspective of Oklahoma and Texas A&M, which seem to be the three programs uh, vying for his services right now, what's your evaluation as to where things stand with Peyton Bowen and how close we might be to figuring out uh, in an ultimate sense, whether he sticks with Notre Dame or elects to flip to the Sooners or the Aggies? Well, nothing would surprise me with Peyton Bowen. You know, I think his actions have shown that he's interested in the other two. And I know a conversation that he's had with folks around Norman and folks around College Station have made those programs feel good about their chances of securing him at the end of the day. And I also think that he's saying the right things to the folks in South Bend. So um, for me, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he ended up signing with any of the three programs. Yeah, and I, just something I found out just recently, I don't know if I've told either one of you all, is, and I, I reported it, but I don't know if I passed it on, is uh, he wants to have it done by the 25th, but I wouldn't be shocked if in the next five to ten days he announces whether he's sticking with Notre Dame or flipping to one of those two. I know his girlfriend's going to Oklahoma. That's something I learned the other day. I didn't even know that. That's like there's weird stuff that like I don't – like. 
Is, is this been one of like the more weird recruitments that you followed, Steve, as far as like a national guy going back and forth, like he and Keon Keeley, like, is there, is there recruitment just kind of one of the more wild, especially in 2023, one of the more wild uh, recruitments to follow that you've, you've noticed nationally? No, this is, this is recruiting. This is what, this is what happens. People make early decisions and sometimes they get walked back. And I think people think that's, the majority, it's actually not the majority, but every school is going to lose one and probably flip one. You could, you look at this Oklahoma class right now, you probably, the, if you said, Steve, will Oklahoma lose one or, or keep them all by, by uh, the early signing period, I would say they're going to lose one. Just, it's just how it happens. But say, so Steve, do you think Oklahoma will flip somebody by December? Yep. I think they will too. You know, I mean, that's just how it goes, but the, most of these guys will be in. And uh, I mean, same for Notre Dame, you know, they got two guys, Notre Dame's got 20 something commits. They got two, two that they have to fight for. You know, the other guys seem pretty solid right now. Uh, it, it ebbs and flows, man. And, and uh, you know, information changes, thoughts change, feel, feelings changes, you know, all these people have different personalities, different situations, different backgrounds. Uh, I wouldn't say this is wild. I think Peyton's been Peyton and Keon have been pretty, pretty honest with Notre Dame and uh, pretty honest with the other programs. What I what I would say is wild is when you you get in when you mix in lying and uh, just uh, uh, a last second change or or, or you know th- those are, you know those are things that or if it goes back and forth to two different schools in a week. You know, that was wild. The 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 kid from Kentucky who committed to Oklahoma and then flipped to Ohio State a couple hours later. Why am I drawing a blank on that? Jansen, Jansen. Yeah. Jansen, Jansen Dunn Jansen. called Ohio State to tell him he was going to Oklahoma and hung up with the Buckeyes, a Buckeye. Had to call Oklahoma back and tell him he wasn't coming. <laughs> those those stories, that, that's what I would designate as wild. Like this is just this is just standard for recruiting, you know, and uh, has, has Oklahoma lost anyone this cycle yet? Ashton Cozart. Yeah. Cozart, so you guys yep. have already had it happen. That's right. So, mm-hmm. you know, Cozart was in and, and uh, he's all just happened recruiting, you know, but it, most of the kids stay, stay in the fold. It's just, it doesn't, it's not as sexy a headline. Jackson Arnold commits to Oklahoma early stays committed all the way through. You know, no one talks about that shit at the end. It's more the the flips. Yeah. Now, Steve, uh, would be curious to hear your thoughts on Miguel Chavis. Obviously, a guy that uh, when Brent Venables brought him on to be the defensive ends coach at the University of Oklahoma, nobody really knew who he was. And there were a healthy amount of people that were questioning the hire and wondering, why is this guy's first on-field coaching job at the next level or at the FBS level, excuse me, uh, defensive ends coach at a blue blood institution like Oklahoma. Well, some eight months later, uh, you're starting to see the returns on your investment uh, in Miguel Chavis and starting to see what Brent Venables saw in him when he handpicked him from Clemson to join his staff at Oklahoma. Uh, what are some of the things you've heard about Chavis as a recruiter and uh, whether it's what he did down the stretch in the 2022 cycle, closing on guys like R. Mason Thomas, Grayson Halton, Cavante Henry, or what he's already done in the 2023 class, locking down a kid like PJ Adabare, who's risen so, so fast. Uh, what's your honest evaluation of the guy that Oklahoma got in Chavis as far as a recruiter? 
Well, you're curious about my thoughts on Chavis. I'm curious about those plaques behind you. What what, what are those awards that you got there, uh, Parker? <laughs> That's a see. Okay, so my camera's broken today. Normally, you wouldn't even be able to uh, see those because of how far away the camera's positioned relative to where my computer screen's positioned, but that's all, that's old college stuff. That's, uh, uh, back in my, uh, undergrad days. Uh, He's being novice. The dude won a bunch of awards for his journalism. <laughs> Let's not even go there. Like the dude, the dude won a bunch of awards in one of the top journalism programs in the country at OU. So like it's, he's being novice and novel about it. Like very, you know, He's being, I guess, uh, what was the word? Humble. Sweet. But he's, he, he won a bunch of awards. Sweet. So it looks like a matching set there. Yes. Uh, Chavis, all... you know, the Clemson way, uh, which is obviously what Coach Ven- which obviously is what Cl- Coach Venables was, you know, very integral in them building into a national powerhouse is they would promote from within and they would do it with Clemson guys too. A lot of times former players that would then become coaches and, and, and want to come back to that university and give back. And, and it's obvious that uh, coach Chavis is a guy that coach Venables has invested and poured a lot of time into and believes in and, 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 and is molding into, you know, one of the uh, uh, more up and coming young coaches in college football but at Clemson, they would promote from within. That's what they do. The, the, you know, culture is so important to cut Clemson's program, and it's going to be incredibly important to Oklahoma's program. I'm not saying it wasn't in previous regimes, but I think Clemson feels like they won a lot of games for his culture as much as they did scheme and talent. And uh, you know, Coach Chavis knows what Coach Venables is looking for. Coach Venables knows what kind of man Coach Chavis is. And uh, you know, I'm sure they speak the same language. And, and now here he is at Oklahoma and he's able to recruit uh, to the, you know, recruit in sync with Coach Venables. And Coach Venables is obviously going to be a hands-on recruiter and support all the staffers from the corner office. And so that's going to elevate the rest of the staff on the trail. But Coach Chavis had a front row seat you know, and, and, and help develop some of the best defensive linemen in college football and, uh, and then recruit the next wave. And then you, when you look this year, Clemson may have the best defensive line in college football again. So Coach Chavis deserved this opportunity to, you know, move up from an, like an uh, assistant coach assistant to the man running the room. You know, we'll see what he does with it, but he's certainly not going to be scared of the stage. You know, there were high expectations at Clemson as when he was a player there and, and, and now certainly uh, when he was a coach there. And so he earned this opportunity. And I think you'll see a lot in the future of, of Coach Venables promoting from within um, when, when jobs come open. Well, I, I guess just a couple more questions since we have you real quick. Um, I, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask about David Hicks and your thoughts now. You know, it, it, there's been buzz, potential move date of, you know, he could announce in September, October instead of January, all that type of stuff. You know, nothing's been confirmed, but it's been out there and he's he's told people, you know, that's a possibility. So, but Outside of that, where, where does Oklahoma stand in this now, in your opinion? And uh, w- with his relationship with Todd Bates that, you know, dates back to like seventh or eighth grade, 
much like Derek LeBlanc, do you see this being like a, a a potential win for Oklahoma? Like if if against A&M or do you think they're still like battling neck and neck with Oregon right now? Well, I don't, I think a visit to Oregon was a real eye opener. He's been there twice and, and he had a great official visit experience, but I think now that the the shine has worn off that, I think you're back to the two that have been considered the front runners for much of the process, and that's Oklahoma and Texas A&M. And for me, much of the buzz that I've heard throughout his entire process has get, made me think that A&M would ultimately be the pick. But I certainly understand and know and heard what buzz came out of his most recent visit to Oklahoma. And uh it's obvious he loves the Sooners. Like you said, great report with Coach Todd Bates. Who doesn't have a good report with Todd Bates, though? When he's recruiting you, he does a fantastic job and everybody likes him. You know, um, he he, he uh, was on his last visit to Oklahoma, had a tremendous experience, made the visit with, with um, his grandparents, you know, and we'll see what what comes of it. We'll see if a decision date does pop up sooner rather than later. Um, I certainly, that, that, that was coming out of that visits the best that I personally felt about Oklahoma and that, and I've never not said they weren't a contender, but uh, um, they, that, that seemed to be a needle mover. Now, Steve, I want to put you on the spot here and ask you, as you look at Oklahoma's class, uh, the 19 commits that they have right now, uh, give us one guy one guy that you don't think is being talked about enough, somebody that could see a significant rise up the recruiting rankings with a strong senior season or somebody that you don't think their current ranking does justice to what kind of football player they are. Well, I think, you know, the one thing that how Clemson built into a national power is they would win touted recruiting battles, guys like Caden Green, and, and Jaquazi Petaway and P.J. Adebaware, but they would also fill their class with less touted but high upside culture fit good football players. And so, like, you look at the bottom of this class and you see a guy like Logan Holland and you're like, man, they beat Iowa and Wisconsin and Michigan programs that churn out first-round picks at O-line and – so does Oklahoma, high draft picks. You, you just look at Logan Holland and you just think, man, that if we turn around and that guy is one of the best players on Oklahoma's team uh, down the road, I would not be surprised. And, and uh, I say the same with Joshua Bates. If Josh, I could see Joshua Bates being the best center in college football down the road. He's a tough, hard-nosed physical player at the point of attack with a high football IQ. I just think that he's going to be uh, um, a terrific player for the Sooners. So, but I mean, you know, Cade McNamara, 6'4, 205, Caleb Spencer, 6'2 and a half, 210. You know, these guys are big. They, they've added some, you know, big, athletic, hard hitting football players like Phil Picciotti. I mean, it's, a, it's obviously a good class and uh, one that um, will help Oklahoma as they transition to the SEC. Final question for me, um, just your overall thoughts on, I guess, Makari Vickers, um, Jacoby Johnson, Anthony Evans, all guys that uh, Oklahoma 
there's there's dates you know set for their announcement here in the next month or so and obviously another guy is ryan yates another teammate of jackson arnold who's been to oklahoma uh sounds like you know there's a lot of buzz potentially wants to take an official visit to oklahoma september may even have a decision of where he wants to go before all that that the the start of his season starts on the 25th as well uh what's your thoughts on those four guys and just where oklahoma stands with them right now well, obviously it's looking good for Vickers, right? I think there was a time where I thought Alabama was in the middle of it and they'd be hard to beat if they're pushing, but certainly uh, like Oklahoma for Vickers, uh, I've never liked anyone other than Oklahoma for Jacoby. Uh, Ryan Yates, you know, again, anytime a flip's involved, I don't, you know, it's hard for me to say imminent until I know it's coming, but certainly he's interested in the Sooners. And then who's the fourth young man? Anthony Evans. Oh, Anthony Evans. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, sounds like him and Jaquazy Petaway and those families really got along well and enjoyed being around each other when they were on a visit together. Obviously, he loves Oklahoma. His official visit was off the charts. Um, but, you know, George is pushing hard there, too. And it sounds like they've given him a lot to think about. Okay, Steve, I'll throw one more at you before we let you go. I uh, got to bring up my fellow Nebraskan four-star athlete, Malachi Coleman, a guy that uh, much like PJ Adabare has just absolutely sprung up the rankings as of late in part due to the special physical tools that he brings to the table, that combination of size and speed that you just don't see all that often. Uh, it seemed for a while as though this was a pretty open and shut recruitment and he was going to be a Nebraska Cornhusker, but uh, increasingly over the last few months, it seems like uh, there might be a couple other teams in the mix down the stretch here. Obviously, Oklahoma appears to be one of those teams. So your thoughts on where OU sits in that race and the overall vibe on Malachi Coleman's recruitment as a whole? Yeah, and I talked to Malachi Coleman uh, over the weekend. He, he He dropped his top schools and Oklahoma was one of the finalists or we wouldn't be talking about them, but first for Malachi and his 10, four speed in the hundred meter dash, he has to figure out what position he wants to play. Is he a receiver? Is he a tight end? Is he a defensive end? Is he an edge rusher? Is he outside linebacker? And he has all those opportunities. Right. So um, for, for Oklahoma, he, you know, they're recruiting him as a tight end and he's really connected with coach Joe John Finley, obviously McIntyre's from the state too, and, and committed and, and uh, um, Oklahoma's a program that he has an official visit locked in for, right. Or. Uh, yeah. So he's in the process of scheduling that official visit, but it looks like. Well, looks he like has Oklahoma Ole Miss and USC locked in for the fall. So, I mean, I, I would still give the edge to Nebraska going into this, the, this, final stretch but you know we'll see what it looks like on the field this fall I know he's really going to be watching closely how these teams play and what they look like and for instance with Nebraska he's expecting coach Whipple to be a big hire for them and move the needle for them and they're recruiting him as a receiver but it's a big year for Nebraska and if it doesn't go as designed you know, you got several other programs that he's got a keen eye on, and Oklahoma is one of them. Okay, so I lied. One last question, and I thought Parker was going to ask it. He didn't. 
Uh, I even texted him to do so. And uh, it's Jordan Renaud. He dropped his top two, you know, announced that he's going to commit on September 19th. But there was for so long he was talking about visiting Alabama on October 8th for the AM game unofficially. Uh, he's supposed to visit Oklahoma either September 3rd or September 10th before the decision. Just got done with Oklahoma right at the end of July for the uh, party in the palace, I think it was called. Um, so where, where do you think things stand? And if you were to guess, I know Parker and I put a crystal ball in after Parker or after party in the palace, but for you, where do you think things stand, uh, for him right now? And if you were to hypothetically put a crystal ball in, how would you go right now? Well, I think for a lot of it, Alabama was a school that I thought maybe had the pulse of that recruitment, but another terrific visit to Oklahoma, similar to David Hicks seemed to really, the, the environment at, at that event to end the summer recruiting for Oklahoma was off the charts. And I think that those, all the prospects on campus felt it and felt just great energy, great vibes. And that's what coach Venables wants when you come to campus is to feel a unique culture and a unique atmosphere and, and, and uh, just feel like you belong. And I, I, I think that Jordan Renaud left Norman feeling like he belongs, but we'll see what happens. Um, because Alabama, their heartbreak you on the trail, fellas, you know, and uh, they're they always <laughs> they're always one good conversation with the prospect away from winning the recruitment with what they offer and their track record and their players. And Alabama's players sell their program by telling the recruits mm. that this program, you will get out of it what you put into it. So um, it's it's. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how that one wraps up, but Oklahoma, that, that, that party at the palace, the, the returns that came out of that weekend were, were some of the strongest ones I heard of any visit anywhere in the country this, this year. So you, you call it heartbreak. You, nobody's known heartbreak you from Alabama than Oklahoma lately <laughs> in the last few cycles. What is it? Georgia's uh, felt it. I mean, I think Georgia's felt yeah. it. Yeah. You know, they yeah. stolen commits from Oklahoma. What was it? Uh, the the court, the running back that was silenced to Oklahoma for a long time. He's not there anymore. Um, who was who was it? The other Parker here recently. Jace McClellan that they, and Kamar Wheaton. Jace that's McClellan, Kamar Wheaton. Yeah, I mean, that's been rough for Oklahoma. Yeah, they do it to everybody, boys. <laughs> I mean, recruiting's not drafting, but for Alabama, it damn near is. Um, <laughs> facts, facts. Can't argue that. All right, Steve. Well, I appreciate you coming on with us. Uh, thank you so much once again. Always oh, appreciate our conversation. Y'all, y'all work hard. Y'all, y'all are fun to follow over there. Oklahoma's fun to follow from a recruiting standpoint. You know, we'll see how you guys finish it up. Looking for a second straight top ten class. I think it'd be hard to say that any other first year staffs doing a better job recruiting than Brent Venables and company. Now we'll see. What Miami says about that when this cycle's over, they're the other one. I mean, but I mean, Florida's recruiting great, Oregon's recruiting great. Like the, some of these first-year staffs are awesome, and I think Oklahoma's do, leading that pack right now. Well, thank you so much, man. I always appreciate it. you're the goat. We call you that all the time for a reason, and uh, we can't. We're blessed to have you on. So thank you so much. Take care, fellas. See you. Thanks for listening, thank guys. You. See you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Yeah.
once again, want to thank Steve Wiltfong, the GOAT, for being on with us, uh, the National Recruiting Director for 24-7 Sports. Uh, came on with us. Some great information, Parker. Uh, what what stood out to you and everything that he talked about? Uh, for me, it was the staff. Kind of, He said, oh, use the best new staff across all college football and recruiting. And I think that that speaks volumes when you consider Lanning, you know, um, trying to think of everybody that is got new coaches, but I mean, yeah, like well, I mean, first I'd, year coaches. I'd, yeah. I would concur, Brandon. I think that's what stood out to me the most as well. The fact that he acknowledged among the new staffs in college football right now, um, nobody is recruiting as well as Oklahoma right now. And again, he did add the caveat. We'll see what happens with Miami because Miami does seem like the one program right now that's recruiting on close to the same level as Oklahoma in the first year of a new regime. Uh, but that said, as of right now, I mean, you look at the rankings, it's pretty blatantly obvious to anybody that follows recruiting that Oklahoma's staff is outpacing a lot of the other first-year staffs across the country. Well, outpacing every one of the first-year staffs across the country as things sit today. Uh, and that's encouraging for Sooner fans because that mm -hmm. means as guys like Miguel Chavis and Brandon Hall and Joe John Finley continue to cut their teeth at the University of Oklahoma. There are guys, you know, Oklahoma isn't the first stop for them, but uh, mm -hmm. this is really an opportunity for uh, those three guys as well as uh, several others on the Oklahoma staff. This is their, really their opportunity to seize the limelight uh, when you're talking right. about uh, their status in the national spectrum as recruiters and as coaches. Uh, if Oklahoma is already recruiting this well in 2022, how well might they be recruiting two, three years down the line? No, that's fair. And I think the other thing I thought that stood out to me was, you know, when he talked about party in the palace and he talked about the buzz coming out of party in the palace and he named David Hicks, Jordan or not, and, and, and several other players and recruits. But I thought the, the interesting thing about it was that he said that that was the most positive buzz, the most sincere buzz that he had heard from any event anywhere all across whether it was official visits whether it was unofficial didn't matter oklahoma had the one place that everybody came out and was like that was the most amazing weekend i've had on the recruiting trail and to me that i think that 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 goes into what venables is doing culturally i think we kind of downplay that some and talk about you know the just the relationships that they build and all that type of stuff when it comes to the recruiting trail. But I think the culture and what these kids feel when they arrive on campus is as good as it gets. And if they can continue to do that on a, you know, cycle in and cycle out basis on the recruiting trail, I think <laughs> this, this could get scary for a lot of people if Oklahoma can return to that stature that they were at when, you know, I was talking to somebody earlier today and we were going through the rankings starting back in like 2000 to like 2010. Oklahoma was just deadly on the recruiting trail then. Uh, a lot of top sixes, a lot of top threes, fours, fives, you know, and th they have the potential to do that here in 2023. Uh, there's a there's a good chance they end up with over 300 as far as the cumulative ratings and point scales that we use for our composite rankings on 24-7 sports. So, I mean, if they pull that off, if they pull that off, year one, 
I mean, and they go out and they win 10 or 11 games in year one, compete for the Big 12 title. That has to cause people to kind of turn their heads and look like, whoa, what's going on in Norman now? Uh, and it's very reminiscent. People, you've talked about it, Parker. The Nick Saban kind of comparison that everybody wants to do with with Brent Venables because they got the job similar ages and like their 50s. Um, obviously, Oklahoma wasn't as downtrodden as Alabama was then, but just their energy, how they how they recruit, their um, their dedication, just how meticulous they are about everything. There's so many similarities there, and obviously they're defensive-minded guys. So um, I don't know. Those are just the two things that stood out to me. Yeah, agreed 1,000%. And uh, getting Steve's take on some of the more high-profile recruitments down the stretch for Oklahoma I think was enlightening as well. Uh, good to hear uh, somebody – Well, and I, I don't want to call Steve an outsider because he is anything but, but to hear perspective from somebody that isn't on the Oklahoma and primarily – on guys mm -hmm. like DJ Hicks, Malachi Coleman, Jordan Renaud, et cetera, uh, lends some credence to uh, what we've been reporting over at OUinsider.com VIP uh, for some time. And I think both you and I are pretty confident right now, Brandon, that Oklahoma's in the driver's seat for Renaud, uh, trending very well with Hicks. And Coleman's the big what if, uh, particularly on the offensive side of the football down the stretch for OU. And um, as we talked about earlier with Steve, uh, they appear to be in line to get the final official visit from Coleman. Uh, so, man, if if Oklahoma can come out of this class, and here's the thing. I'm going to say this, and people need to understand, it's very realistic. If Oklahoma wraps this class with nine or ten of the top 100 players in the nation, that's arguably Oklahoma's best recruiting class of the modern era. I would say mm -hmm. it is the best. And so many of those guys are going to have the opportunity to jump in from day one and be legit impact contributors. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think, you know, there's other things going on with Oklahoma on the recruiting trail. Obviously, Jacoby Johnson's going to announce on August 13th, so this Saturday at 8.15 p.m. That's big news uh, that's going on. Uh, you know, we both have a crystal ball in for him to Oklahoma. I think we both feel that Oklahoma is in a really good spot for him. Uh, at the same time, though, you know, programs like Michigan, Alabama, and Stanford have really pushed Oklahoma State's come in, and, and they've made a push for him, but it's always seemed like Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. But we're going to find out on uh, when he announces that bringing out the Broncos. I'll get to be there because bringing out the Broncos means – my two youngsters in there get to come out and with their team and be with the varsity and all that they do to make you make these kids want to be Broncos as they grow up and get older uh, and make that part of their goals. And so it's a really cool deal. And we all really enjoy going to it each and every year. And I'll be there. I'll be on the field getting photos and I'll, we'll have a, we'll have an exclusive interview with uh, Jacoby before everybody else does. So uh, since we're part of it, I helped put it together as far as uh, getting the media out there and stuff like that because uh, Coach Blankenship asked me to do so. So um, our kids play on the same football team. So, um, yeah, there's that announcement. Obviously, then you have the 26th where Bakari four-star 2023 
defensive back Mercari Vickers is supposed to announce where he's going to go between Alabama and Oklahoma. And then you have Anthony Evans, 2023 four-star wide receiver uh, out of Converse, Texas, Converse Judson High School. Uh, with the Gundy situation, we're going to discuss that, folks. I know that's what you're probably listening here to is our thoughts on that. We'll get into that here in a minute. But uh, he's going to announce, and it sounds like it's between Georgia and Oklahoma. I still give the nod to Oklahoma right now. I don't think he ends up at Georgia. Um, I, He's very close with Jackson Arnold, so I think that plays out. And there's a lot of the Petaway situation that people want to know about as well, and Parker, I, I, you can chime in as well, but uh, people I've talked to about Petaway seems like he's going to stay locked in right now. Now, we don't know what's going to happen a month from now. We don't know what's going to happen two or three months down the road if he decides he gets an itch. But his relationship with LaDamian Washington, similarly with Keon Brown and uh, Anthony Evans, they all three have talked to LaDamian Washington quite a bit. And the relationship with Jackson Arnold, Jackson Arnold's kind of led the way too. He's making sure a lot of these guys stay locked in. Uh, but I feel like Oklahoma is going to get Anthony Evans right now. If I was a pick, we have to put our crystal balls in already. I still like that. And I also feel like Petaway is going to stay locked in. That's just my gut feeling right now off of what I've been told, off things I've seen, uh, and just kind of talking to people about a few certain things. But what, what's your gauge, Parker? No, I agree with you, Brandon. I think when you look at the 2023 class, the impact of Gundy's departure is going to be minimal. Uh, it does seem like Keon Brown and Anthony Evans are locked in. And obviously, if there's one of the three that you kind of worry about, it's probably Petaway just because of how highly regarded of a prospect he is, uh, how many coaching staffs are no doubt hitting his line after uh, Gundy's resignation to try and see if they can work on flipping him. But uh, I, I don't get the sense that there's going to be a whole lot of significant movement uh, towards a decommitment in Jaquay's Petaway's recruitment. And obviously you have uh, a very, very good read on that situation in particular and are particularly tuned into the uh, Petaway recruitment as a whole. I think what's going to be more interesting is to see how this affects the 2024 recruiting class. And look, for Oklahoma right now, uh, the best case scenario is LaDamian Washington proves to be the type of immediate plug-and-play stud that Miguel Chavis seems to be, has been as a recruiter and that they hope will be as a positional coach. That's the hope, is that LaDamian Washington takes this one-year cameo in 2022, seizes the bull by the horns, and proves that he's capable of being Oklahoma's receivers coach in the long term uh, and gets that interim tag removed. If that doesn't happen uh, or doesn't happen expediently, then there's going to be some un uncertainty from elite wideouts in the class of 2024 as to what the long-term solution is at Oklahoma. And that may make Oklahoma a less desirable destination, but I think we're probably four to five months away uh, from being able to reliably gauge uh, the fall out there and have that conversation in great detail right now. Uh, what's most important to realize is that, Oklahoma has some element of stability with their wide receiver group in 2023. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's going to be a whole lot of momentum in the wrong direction there. And then as you move ahead to 2024, uh, look, if the 2022 season wraps up and for whatever reason, you're not confident in LaDamian Washington moving forward as your receivers coach, you bring in a permanent guy, 
He's got a whole offseason to establish his vi- vision and build relationships on behalf of Oklahoma on the recruiting trail. And you're probably going to clear a pretty fine class at minimum in 2024 anyway. And as you look at the rest of the recruiting board in 2024 for Oklahoma, especially if they land some of the guys that we expect them to land early on in that cycle, it's going to increase their ability to make a compelling pitch to an elite wide receiver prospect, regardless of who the positional coach is at that point in time. Absolutely. Um, Let's talk about Gundy real quick. I mean, the situation sucks all the way around. I don't care who you are, what your thoughts are on him as a person. Uh, I don't care your thoughts on, you know, the reasoning for the firing. I don't care about your thoughts on, you know, if he should or shouldn't have been fired. I don't know. I I, I don't want to even, I don't even want to get into that because number one, that's not for me to say. That's probably not for Parker to say, look, we are, I'm mostly native American. So I don't, I, I, I can't speak for, you know, the uh, black community on this uh, and how they should feel or whatever. At the same time, I also know the person that Gundy is, and this was a mistake. This was a mistake made by a guy that has touched plenty of lives and helped out numerous people over the years and been one of the more um, influential people in the OU football program all time, considering the fact he played for four years at Oklahoma, uh, was a good quarterback, mind you, And then at the same time, he was one of the better assistants of all time in OU history, 24 years. So he's got a long-lasting, I guess, grip or or, or whatever you want to call it. He's got a long-lasting impression into the program. And this is a loss that's going to be felt in some form or fashion. Public may not see it. And if the public doesn't see it, that's it's fine. That's probably the best. But at the same time, you're it's going to be felt in some form or fashion, whether recruiting, you know, he had connections everywhere, whether Oklahoma struggles to get back into some of the places that he was very good at recruiting at and his areas that the, co- the coaches felt very comfortable with, um, or maybe players, because uh, the players went to bat for him. That's something that's totally being lost on this. The players went to bat for him. But at the same time, Brent Venables had to make a decision. He had to make a decision whether they could take the lumps for this. And in today's world, this could have been far-reaching and could have hindered the program for a long time. And with the culture that Venables is trying to build, it's also understandable the reaction he had and the decision he had. You can, there could two things can be right. Gundy can be one of the nicest people I've ever met, and I can say that I know him fairly well. Um, and number two, he is, you know, there was a mistake made, and, and Venables had to make the decision that he thought he had to make, make for the program. So those two things can be right. They, they do not have to be uh, mutually exclusive from each other. And you know, time heals all wounds. And I think that's where we're at. I think 
as time goes on, I, I talked to somebody today that said, you know, it bothered me more today than it did Sunday and Monday. So day three was a lot harder on them as far as how they thought about it, the emotion that they took to it. And, and they were an Oklahoma fan than it was the first two days. And so, you know, time does heal all wounds, but it's going to take time for the Oklahoma fans to uh, figure out how they really feel and move on. At the same time, LaDamian Washington is a great fit for the program. Uh, you you look at, look at his background. The guy grew up with no parents after he turned 15. Like, no parents. They both passed away or something happened. Uh, his brothers, they raised each other. Four brothers, him and his three brothers raised each other. He made it. He went and got his master's all the way, was one of the top uh, academic players and one of the top players in the SEC when he was at Missouri. And to see him and to hear that story, and he's going to relate to players, and they're going to respect him. And Parker and I saw that at the practice. We saw that. We witnessed it. The players respect him. They love what they saw from him. Um, and they, they, you know, uh, every time he demanded something of them, they did it and they did it to their best ability. There's mutual respect there. And I think that's going to show not only on the recruiting trail, but I think in the team. And so, uh, it's a big loss. Gundy's a big loss. Nobody can say that's not a big loss. It's a huge loss and it stinks for the program. Uh, but I think the interim wide receiver coach in the Damon Washington was a good move by Brent Venables. I think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I think he's probably going to end up being named the full guy. If full, full, uh, oh, he's going to be named the uh, full time wide receiver coach, um, you know, by years in, if things work out the way everybody thinks it's going to. Yeah, no doubt. And I'd, Here's the other thing that I don't want to be lost in this conversation as well. I was talking to somebody close to the program yesterday and their expectation is that the wide receiver room is going to be incredibly productive in the 2022 mm -hmm. season. And two guys were cited to me in particular. They're not names that are going to surprise anybody. Marvin Mims and Jalil Farouk are kind of the two guys Shocking. that are expected to blow up as, as far as production goes this coming season. Uh, but one of the things that uh, this uh, program source mentioned to me was, look, I, I just hope that when this is all over and we're looking in the rearview mirror on the 2022 season, Cale Gundy gets the credit that he deserves for whatever those wideouts do on the field this coming season. And that's not to take anything away from LaDamian Washington. That's simply to acknowledge that Cale Gundy has poured a lot of his time and a lot of effort uh, into improving these guys. And I think you're going to see that uh, materialize on the football field this fall. And so LaDamian Washington will get his flowers as he should, mm -hmm. if these wide receivers uh, perform adequately and you see a thousand yard guy or multiple thousand yard guys at the wideout position for Oklahoma. But uh, we cannot allow Kale Gundy's influence to get lost in all of that. So come December, come January, when we're looking back on this season, and Marvin Mims went for a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns and Jalil Farouk went for a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. Uh, we're going to tip the cap to kill Gundy because uh, this is the guy that uh, for 
all those wide receivers in the room right now, he has had the steadiest and most significant influence on their development as wideouts over the course of their tenure at the University of Oklahoma. So uh, this is not the this is not the last we're going to mention. Uh, not the last time we're going to mention Kale Gundy's name on this podcast, because what you're going to see these Oklahoma wideouts do in 2022 is a direct byproduct and will be a direct byproduct of what Kale Gundy poured into them. Yeah, no doubt. And I think, I think you're still going to, like you said, you're still going to see the, you know, the mark that Kale Gundy left on those wide receivers. Cause he's been with those guys for a long time. There's a lot of guys that have been around him for two, three, four years. So uh, that's going to play a major, major role in all this. So, uh, and I think the room that he left little Damian Washington is about as good as you could get right now. And I think that's another thing that is working in LD's favor. So uh, they will be productive and Levy's offense they better be productive or it's going to be a long season. So um, I still have high expectations for the room. I still have high expectations for a lot of the players that we had high expectations for, whether it's Marvin Mims, whether it was Theo Weiss, Drake Stoops, Jalil Farouk. I mean, even some of the younger guys like, a, you know, a, a Nicholas Anderson or, or Jaden Gibson or, you know, a, a just I'm probably – you know, slip mind slipping here. I read Javon, you know, uh, JJ Hester, you know, a transfer like him. I think those guys will have seasons that they were expected to have. And so I, I don't see a big slip up here, but you want to know where I do think it's going to hurt Oklahoma more than anywhere is the mind, the offensive mind that Gundy has. We watched the Alamo Bowl. Like, how good was he? He was amazing. He combined kind of Riley and Kevin Wilson and, and made it his own little niche. I thought that was awesome. And I thought that played right into the hands of helping coach Levy out in the best he could, best way he could uh, being sight. He's the guy that has always been up in the, in the press box, looking down, helping the offensive coaches make calls and like what he's been seeing. So I think that's going to be felt a little bit more early on than people expect. Uh, but I think as the season rolls along, they're going to find their groove, but it, it, there's going to be some hiccups. Like you and I've said, like one way or the other hiccups, recruiting hiccups, play calling hiccups in the room. They're going to happen. He's been too much of a fixture at Oklahoma for so long for that not to be the case. So we'll see where it goes from here, but I still think Oklahoma's in a good spot to win a bunch of games and to continue to recruit at a high level, no matter what. Yeah. And um, look, when you have a guy that, when you have a guy that has poured over half his life into a school like the university of Oklahoma and mm -hmm. has been on staff at OU longer than I've been alive, Brandon, that's not a guy that it's you crazy. just wave goodbye to overnight and say, well, okay, we'll, uh, we'll figure it out from here. No, it's like you said, it's going to hurt. And there'll be repercussions and Kale Gundy's influence will be missed both in terms of his leadership, in terms of his coaching acumen, as well as his recruiting prowess, particularly in the States of Oklahoma and Texas. So this is a significant loss for Oklahoma, but 
what Bob Stoops said back on November 29th comes to mind once again here on August 9th of the following year, right? There's no one guy that's bigger than the program and Oklahoma football thrived before Kale Gundy. It will thrive after Kale Gundy. Obviously it is unfortunate that Kale Gundy is no longer going to be a part of the picture in Norman, Oklahoma, but OU football is going to be just fine in the long run. Yep. I agree. Uh, I guess finally, um, let's talk about the season. Let's talk about, we went to practice the other day. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more recruiting before we get out of here. But before we do that, we want to talk about practice. We're talking practice, Parker. Practice. Practice. Um, what stood out to you? Because for me, it was uh, the intensity. And mind you, people, we went the day after the Gundy stuff broke. So there was like Venables got everybody around. And really tried to, you know, rally the troops and said he was doing it for them, the program, all that type of stuff. Uh, we couldn't hear every word that was said, but that was kind of the gist that I got from the bits and pieces of words I could hear because uh, we were so far away from that. And, you know, I think something else that stood out to me was I really think how physical this team is. It's going to remind a lot of people of 2011, uh, at least early on, that defense flying around, 2010, uh, 2008, 2009. Those teams flew around and hit. Now, obviously, they're not – I don't know that they're that talented yet. There's a lot of NFL dudes on those teams. But I think they're going to be that physical, and I think they're going to be fun to watch and for us to cover. Um, I, I think linebacker and defensive line are going to be really good. I think the cornerbacks are going to be fairly good. And I think safeties have a chance to be pretty good. I think the depth is going to be the question at safety more than anything else. So having said that, uh, I love what I saw physically. I love the intensity they bring. They do this hitting drill. That's awesome. And they even include the wide receivers as like the last line of defense as far as blocking goes uh, against another defensive back or safety. And they have a running back or whoever running through. Uh, it's kind of a, a – they, you know, steroided up Oklahoma drill, if you ask me. It was really fun to watch. Um, and I, I just – I don't know. I like the talent. I like the size of the team. I think I think – if you wanted to compare last year's team to this year's team, Oklahoma's far bigger across the board. They look the part. Like, they look like dudes out there. Um, so, I think if quarterback play, and we expect it to be good from Dylan Gabriel, and he looked sharp out there from the bits and pieces. We only got 40 minutes to watch. So, the bits and pieces we did get to watch, I thought he looked really good. I thought Davis Baville looked good. I actually thought Nick Evers looked pretty salty. Um, I thought he was a lot sharper than he was in the spring and it shows you the dedication, the work he put in between that then and now. Uh, so I, I think they're going to be all right. Uh, you know, knock on wood, if something heaven forbid was to happen, I think that's the, that's kind of the, the big deal with a lot of the Oklahoma fans. And I'm sure a lot of people around the Switzer center kind of worried about, you know, what happens if Dylan Gabriel, you know, heaven forbid something happens. Uh, so 
I think they'll be all right. I think the team is going to be good enough defensively that they're going to be able to hold up the offense if the offense struggles. And if that's really the case with Oklahoma's recruiting, I think, you know, things are trending in a, in a positive direction and uh, you're seeing kind of the fruits of the labor early on. And we're really going to see it come December uh, wherever Oklahoma stands come that time. And I think they're going to be standing pretty well. Yeah, no doubt. And I think, What's important to remember is that whatever the first depth chart uh, looks like when it comes out the week prior to the UTEP game, and maybe we'll get one earlier than that. I wouldn't bank on it, but maybe Brent Venables takes a different approach than uh, the former head coach did. But uh, whenever that first depth chart comes out, it's important to remember that there's going to be a lot that is subject to change, particularly over those first two weeks of the season. So the starting 22 that you get for UTEP might not be the starting 22 that you get for Nebraska when the Sooners travel up there on September 17th. Mm-hmm. Think back to a year ago uh, to a guy like Danny Stutzman, for instance, uh, who made so much of the opportunities that he was given over those first two games of non-conference play and was able to parlay that into more and more playing time over the course of the season as the Sooners progressed into conference play. And so uh, the first two games of the year against two teams in UTEP and Kent State that are talented but are nowhere on Oklahoma's level, uh, those are going to be more than anything about making sure that you have a solid sense of what you truly have at your disposal once these guys are subjected to true game scenarios and game speed. So you can have an idea of what your starting 11 might be on either side of the ball, but expect that Brent Venables and Jeff Levy are going to get a lot of guys in on both sides of the ball, because you would figure that both those games will be well in hand by halftime. If all goes according to plan. And if that is the case, you're going to see a lot of different guys on both sides of the ball. As the Sooners try to figure out uh, who fits where and who's better than their peers at a given position And ultimately, what combination, uh, what algorithm, as it were, gives them the best opportunity to win football games? Because uh, things take a pretty significant step up in terms of difficulty once you get past UTEP and Kent State. Because then you've got the road game against Nebraska, a team that will be highly motivated to beat the Sooners. And we've talked about uh, how motivated Casey Thompson is going to be in particular uh, to beat the Sooners. Then you come home to face Kansas state on September 24th, a team that I believe can win double digit games in 2022. And then you got to go on the road to Ammon G Carter stadium on October 1st to face TCU. So you're going to have to, you're going to have to grow up quick after those first two games. And mm-hmm. the Sooners have a month left at camp prior to the season opener. They get those two games to figure out what they're working with, because when rubber meets the road for real, and they go up to Lincoln on September 17th, <laughs> it's going to be a challenging few weeks with yeah. Nebraska and Kansas State and TCU lined up before that all-important trip to the Cotton Bowl on October 8th. Yeah, uh, I guess, do you still feel the same way that you did prior to the Gundy situation about the upcoming season? Because I think I still do. Yeah, I do. I don't think it'll have that much of an impact. And I think the impact is going to be pretty negligible because uh, Oklahoma has the right leaders 
in those mm-hmm. coaching offices. They have guys that can reorient their players' focus away from the off-field distraction of this particular incident and towards the task at hand, which is winning football games in the 2022 season. Right. So uh, my expectations have not really changed post-resignation. Uh, I still believe this team is capable of winning double-digit games and playing for a Big 12 championship in December. I don't think uh, the loss of Kale Gundy does much to affect my perception in that regard. Yeah, I agree. I think and just because of things that we've heard, like – the, the jump in play from uh, Justin Harrington uh, and how he fits into Venable's system and just his overall attitude. And people think he's going to be a superstar at some point. So uh, then you have obviously Jaden Rowe, who stepped up and looked really good. You've got uh, RSJ, who's looked good. You've got uh, obviously Billy Bowman's look good. Key Lawrence is, he's there. Uh, I, I think there's people that hope he will be a little bit more. Uh, I guess I don't want to say I think more not just confident but more focused on everything in practice every day and I think that's coming around I think it's just you know there's the difference you know some of these guys are still kind of learning and trying to get away from the old regime and how they did things and and get into the groove of the new regime like that's not something that just happens like even after eight months there's gonna be still some lag in that with some of the players so um i i like what i'm hearing from about wanya morris at right tackle anton harrison at left tackle jacob sexton backing up uh at the uh right tackle spot uh obviously guyer who's looked really good uh not only in spring but they think he has a chance to be a certifiable stud before it's all said and done. And then obviously you have Dylan Gabriel's look good. Gavin Sawchuk. I mean, the stuff I've heard about Gavin Sawchuk. Wow. And I'm going to have like, like we're being super vague here. Like, but I've got, and Parker can vouch for this. I've got hordes of notes. I'm about to drop uh, over the next few days, team notes, VIP team notes on OU insider. So uh, there's a lot to come there. Plus, class predictions 2023 class predictions so you guys are gonna like that too is uh everybody loves class prediction time i don't know what it is but i have all that coming and i'm trying to get all that out for y'all while we're doing the 50 percent off so you guys can take advantage of it sign up and you know it's only 53 dollars to get you a whole year or one dollar for the first month 9.95 after we're trying to get y'all signed up we're trying to get y'all signed up to join like we have grown almost a thousand new subs in the last month month and a half and um feel blessed very blessed to be able to do that for you guys so uh, thank you all and we've also had the highest number of page views in july and already through the month of august to start than we've ever had and that's you oh you fans you guys rock we feel so blessed but 53 dollars right now for a year get you OU insider and all 250 sites on 247 sports Plus one dollar for the first month, nine ninety five afterwards if you want to go uh, month to month. But anyways, uh, how do you get that plug in? So I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, look, um, lots of team stuff coming. Uh, those those notes we I just said, and I'm Parker. You have some more team stuff you've heard as well. So go ahead, you know, be as vague or as descriptive as you want. <laughs> well, I would say this. Uh... I would say if you're not already an OU Insider VIP, go spend the dollar for a month. 
try it out, take it for a spin as it were, uh, and see if the information you get uh, is going to be worth the monthly investment. Spoiler alert. I think it will, but, uh, that's one man's opinion. Uh, I will say this, <laughs> no bias, I no are, bias. <laughs> I think we are going to see some legit positional battles, uh, maybe mm-hmm. even some that's, uh, we weren't fully expecting to see involving guys that we weren't expecting to see <laughs> battling yeah. for starting jobs. So uh, it's been a really fun couple weeks uh, as we, as Brandon and I uh, start to get a sense of how some of these battles are going to shape up. And the important thing to consider here is we got three weeks left of camp. So much can change between now and the end of August. Yep. So uh, it is always Uh, a continual wave of new information throughout the month of August. Then once the season starts, obviously uh, you start to get a sense uh, with your own two eyes of what the Sooners uh, have to deal with on both sides of the ball uh, and what kind of talent they have at their disposal, uh, positions of strength, positions of weakness, et cetera. But until then we got you covered wall to wall at ouinsider.com with team and recruiting updates. So uh, I'll, I'll I'll throw this out there uh, so that I don't keep it completely vague. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was asked on OUinsider.com, the VIP board, uh, which true freshman I could see cracking the two deep. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll rehash my original answer because it hasn't really changed. Jaron Kanick, uh, Big Sexy, Jacob Sexton at the offensive line position. And Brandon mentioned him a bit earlier on. Uh, he was also a pretty... Uh, significant topic of conversation, uh, his growth and his play throughout uh, the early stages of his career at Oklahoma on the Twitter space that we did last night uh, as yeah. well. So uh, those two, and then, man, I, I was one of the early buyers on Javante Barnes. And uh, for the longest time I was, I wouldn't necessarily classify myself a skeptic on Gavin Sawchuck, but I wasn't necessarily uh optimistic that he would be an impact contributor in year one. I'm starting to come around on that because uh, <laughs> seeing Gavin Sawchuk good, yeah. in action. Well, my con- and my concern was always with him. Is he physically ready? Is he going to be physically ready to walk into uh, a power five setting and compete and hold up? I'm not sure. I believed that six months ago. I certainly believe it now after seeing him on the field yesterday. It's a big boy uh, in the open portion of practice availability. That is a big boy. Gavin Sawchuk yeah. has put on some weight. Uh, he even Almost looks a little bit pounds. taller. Yep. And that's a guy that, you know, much, much like Javante Barnes is going to be in the mix for some carries. And so mm-hmm. both of those guys, you can expect that they will be pushing Eric Gray and Marcus major, and they will be right there in the thick of things for what should be a very intriguing and a very deep backfield committee in Jeff Levy's first season at the helm. No doubt. Uh, I think another guy that, you know, we'd be remiss. We weren't talking about is, um, you know, the brain Willis has looked good, you know, throughout the whole deal, but Caden Helms, you know, he's a guy that you just get a sense that he's going to make a play or two during the season. That's going to raise people's eyebrows. Season is, like his ceiling is very high. Yeah. He just has that. He just has that, that athleticism, that knack. Uh, I think uh, another guy, even, even as deep as the cornerback position is. And I know this person's okay with, with, cause I know him better than almost anybody. Gentry Williams. Okay. With red shirting. Like he's, he's like, he understands how deep, 
the cornerback position is. I mean, he told me that before he even arrived at Oklahoma. And but when you see how much weight he's put on, like he looked thicker, he looked bigger, um, he looked more physical. I mean, he wasn't hesitant in the hitting drills like at all and coming off of the shoulder stuff that he'd had. Um, you know, that that shows you something. There's some growth there. And from talking to people, he has a chance to kind of get into that rotation potentially because of his length, his how smart he is. Just the he has that leadership quality even as a freshman that people just kind of gravitate to. So uh, there's that, and obviously Jaden Rowe. We said that earlier. Uh, we talked about RSJ. I think linebacker wise, I mean, talk about a position that's in a good good spot. My goodness, um, you know. Deshaun, Deshaun White has been looking like a dude um, throughout the early portions of camp. Uh, you know, Danny Stutzman, David E. Wegbu, uh, trying to think who, uh, Jaron Kanak. Uh, then there's guys like Shane Witter who has looked good. There's guys like, obviously, uh, Kobe McKenzie who's really grown. And talk about a physical specimen. That guy is a physical specimen. That's a big guy right there. Uh, and, and, you know, a cornerback, we didn't even name him. Uh, but, oh, my gosh, transfer from Louisville. I just went blank. I was about to talk about him. But, can I Walker? Uh, can I Walker? Talk about a physical specimen. That's a dude right there. Between him and Justin Harrington and Jaden Rowe, it's hard to find better-looking guys out there in the football field for their position and how they look. They look the part, that's for sure. Uh, so, but I, I, I just, you know, Jeffrey Johnson – Jaden or Jalen Redman, uh, Isaiah Coe, and then you get to the defensive end spot, and it's like, wow, you know, how good can they be at defensive end? And everybody expects them to be phenomenal because of how deep they are and how talented they are at that position. So, uh, look, I'm I know those are vague notes, but like I have descriptive notes coming on OU Insider. So, if you guys are on there, hope y'all click on it, uh, join us. I mean, like really in-depth notes about what's going on behind the scenes and everything like that. Plus a lot of recruiting notes that we've been dropping wide receiver recruiting stuff that we've kind of not talked about on this podcast in depth about, uh, we have that with quotes, notes and stuff like that. Uh, we have, uh, the VIP chat that I'm going to start up later this week. Uh, I got the 2023 class predictions coming. Parker has all his notes coming. I mean, this thing, like we've got a ton going for y'all. I know you insider and we can't wait to see you guys there. And we thank every member that's already there because we do it for you all. We, without you guys, we don't have this job. And that's something we reiterate over and over and over. God has blessed us the ability to be able to do this job for you guys. And it, it's amazing. Like it is an amazing, amazing blessing to be able to do this. And uh, we hope that you guys feel our reciprocation because come season, we have the, member giveaways where we give away tickets to games we give away amazon prime gift cards we give away gift cards to nike we give away gift cards to whatever i mean heck we may give away jordans i don't know but every month we do giveaways maybe twice a month sometimes uh, we do giveaways just kind of our thank you to you all uh anyways um finally let's talk about before we end this uh david hicks uh, jordan renaud uh, you know jordan renaud announces his decision date for September 19th. He's visited Oklahoma several times. You know, he's going to take an official, whether it's on September 3rd or 10th. 
we don't know yet. He doesn't have a 100%. I'm working on finding out like the exact date that that's going to happen. And from there, you know, there's a decision right around the corner. Uh, I like where Oklahoma stands. I think Oklahoma is a leader. I think there's a lot of people that feel that way across the board. Uh, but Alabama's that school that when you're competing against them, even if you get a commitment, that, that October 8th game between A&M and Alabama looks very, very intriguing to anybody that wants to visit it because of the Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban, and obviously A&M winning last year. But there's also another big game in Texas. OU, Texas happens that exact same day. So I think even after the commit, I think we're going to be watching to see where does he go? Does he unofficially visit Alabama or does he unofficially visit Oklahoma and Dallas? So I don't know. Parker, your thoughts on Jordan or not? I know we both have crystal ball in for him. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's encouraging to note here is that Jordan Renaud plans to take an official visit with Oklahoma before that commitment date. And we talked about this with Steve. Look, I, you can't ever count out Alabama. You can't. Mm -hmm. And yep. uh, that's why neither I nor you have gotten too high confidence with our crystal ball predictions. But I think there's enough reliable intel right now to suggest that Oklahoma is the most likely destination for Jordan Renaud. And this is a recruitment that the Sooners have been working very, very hard. And mm -hmm. as you heard Steve mention, uh, the returns from the July 29th unofficial were outstanding. And I remember talking to folks even before that visit occurred uh, that were saying, hey, Oklahoma could make some serious headway with Jordan Renaud, and he's really starting to feel Oklahoma even before that visit took place. And lo and behold, uh, that visit and the vibes that came out of it kind of confirmed uh, what we already had uh, figured and reported was the case with Jordan Renaud, which is that Oklahoma and Renaud uh, were very much warming to each other. So uh, I, I believe Oklahoma is going to be the spot and that's a big head to head victory over Alabama, a statement head to head victory over Alabama. If Brent Venables and the Sooners can pull that one off. Absolutely. And then obviously David Hicks. I mean, we got to talk. You can't go podcast without talking about Mr. Five Star, can you? So uh, no. I still like Oklahoma. I like the buzz that they have around them right now. I know Steve said he still kind of feels A&M has been like the, the school that everybody thinks, you know, they're going to be hard to beat. And I agree with that. I think they're going to be very hard to beat. Um, but, you know, I, just everything that I have heard since then, I really think Oklahoma's trending. And I know I haven't put in a crystal ball on either of you, Parker, but there's a reason for that. I want to see how things go when he takes his official visit. How many times does he get to AM during the season? All that type of stuff is going to really help us decide and really kind of sift through the trash and figure out what's going on with Mr. Five Star David Hicks. So, but right now I think Oklahoma. And what they did at Party in the Palace, I think they're they're in an outstanding position. And uh, Todd Bates has done a fantastic job recruiting him. Yeah, and isn't it crazy, Brandon, that in year one under this staff, we're already talking about them having the opportunity to land a top 10 player nationally at a position mm -hmm. where Oklahoma simply hasn't signed players of that caliber in years past. And 
Uh, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. I don't think there's a more impactful prospect in this class than DJ Hicks. And it does look like, uh, based on everything both you and I have heard, that things are moving in the right direction for Oklahoma. It's just with kids like this, man. And this is, I, I don't want to paint with too broad a brush here. And you and I both know DJ Hicks personally. Uh, he's a good, very straight up kid. But anytime mm -hmm. you're dealing with a five-star, man, things can always get hairy down the stretch because uh, no matter how early they wrap up the process, no matter how early they commit, they're going to have coaching staffs hitting their line until the day they put pen to paper. That's Correct. just the reality. When you are a player of that caliber, no school is going to let you commit somewhere else without a fight. And so for DJ Hicks, yeah, right now, it looks like Alabama or it looks like Oklahoma, excuse me, is certainly the leader in the clubhouse, but you got Alabama looming. You got Miami in the mix. You got Oregon in the mix. A&M still right down the road. There are yep. so many different ways that this thing can swing over the next few months. If I had to pick right now, I'm picking Oklahoma. Now the question becomes, can OU stave off the momentum that other programs are going to try and generate? Yep. No, I agree. Uh, I, I think, you know, another big aspect, I think, in, in the recruitment for David Hicks is Derek LeBlanc. And he's come out and basically said, like, look, we talk all the time. I'm getting that kid to Oklahoma. Like, that's like his number one goal. He's, he said it when I interviewed him uh, back when he committed. He said it last night on the space that he jumped into and talked with us. He's randomly jumped in and requested the talk. Like, we didn't ask him. That's just Derek being Derek. And, uh, uh, so, you know, we didn't give our shout out to Mr. Ricardo LeBlanc. Hello. How you doing, man? Uh, so, uh, yeah, you know, I think that plays a little bit into this as well. I, I feel that it does uh, just from people I've talked to, like they talk quite a bit. Uh, they've been on visits together, whether it was at Miami uh, or other places. So they know each other. And I think that is <clears throat> going to be something to watch moving forward uh you know you, you you have to when you get kids talking and they're public about it there's usually some to something to it like it's not just you know just chatter and stuff you hear behind the scenes like there's some validity to it so uh, maybe that relationship helps oklahoma out a little bit as well uh we'll see i, I think you know another oua and m battle when he, obviously he's committed in no, uh, notre dame right now <clears throat> is um 2023 four-star potential five-star we'll see where he ranks when rivals gets done maybe that changes his composite a little bit and uh you know denton guy or safety Peyton bowen uh you know talking to people oklahoma feels good about it but still they felt good about it for a while so is a&m and the dude continues to stay committed to notre dame now i expect him to come out with a final decision in the next five to 10, you know, 11, 12 days. Uh, I don't think it drags out to the 25th. Like we first reported on OU Insider that that was going to be the case. Like he wants it done before his first game. Outside of that, everything's a coin flip. It's coin flip. You don't know because this kid has kept it so close to the vest, but his girlfriend's going to Oklahoma. His best friend is going to Oklahoma and Jackson Arnold. And if Oklahoma can somehow pull off Ryan Yates, and flip him from LSU, how does he not end up at Oklahoma? Like, that would just be the craziest thing that I have seen in this class so far is 
everybody around the dude is going to Oklahoma, but he's going to choose A&M or stay at Notre Dame. That would just be crazy. But it's recruiting, and that stuff does happen. So people need to get their their minds wrapped around that that potential. Uh, there is a potential of him sticking with Notre Dame. He's stuck with Notre Dame throughout this whole time. So why wouldn't he, right? I, I think, and I know Notre Dame fans are going to be mad at me for saying this, and they've been on my side, and not Parker's lately, uh, but <clears throat> just talking to people, there's a sense that it's going to end up between OU and A&M more than it is Notre Dame. I don't know that I buy that. That's why I've never reported that. But that's 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 the buzz you're kind of getting out of Denton right now. We'll see what happens, though. You want to weigh in on this, Parker? Or you just want to, you know, stay away from the paintball and stuff. Oh man, I'm almost to the point where I just want to plead the fifth on everything Peyton Bowen related because of the blowback I unfailingly get from Notre Dame fans. But look, I my mind hasn't changed on this. I think he's going to be a Sooner or an Aggie. And from what it sounds like, uh, and I know you mentioned it earlier when we were talking with Steve, a decision could be coming sooner rather than later. Then again, feels like we've heard that before. And Mm -hmm. here we are on August 9th and uh, there isn't a final decision from Peyton Bowen. So uh, I I think everybody's excited for this thing to be over one way or another. And just to know with some degree of certainty where the kid's going to end up, but it's a toss up right now in my mind between Oklahoma and Texas A&M. I just, I, I don't foresee him sticking with Notre Dame. So real quick, first thing that comes to mind, if I say Ryan Yates is, will sign with blank come National Signing Day. Oklahoma. Okay. I think we'll know here in the next five to ten days with him too. I think he'll have a decision between LSU and Oklahoma. So we'll see. I really do. I think that it's getting to that point. I don't know that for a fact. That's just kind of my gut feeling right now. So anyways – all right. Well, that's going to do it for this version of the OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners podcast. We want to thank Steve Wiltfong once again for coming on with us. Uh, man, anytime you can have the GOAT come on with you and talk recruiting, that's a big win for you uh, as far as a podcast goes. So thank you so much to uh, two 24-7 Sports National Recruiting Director, our guy, Steve Wiltfong, uh, for coming on and talking, not just Oklahoma, but just national recruiting with us uh, on this podcast today. Uh, before we let you go, obviously, one more time, $53, 50% off. Usually 108 plus is what it is on OU Insider, and it ends Wednesday night. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday night, if you're listening to this on Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, you've got a short amount of time before, and we're talking like August 10th or 11th. I think it would be August 10th, right, is Wednesday. So you only have a short amount of time before you know that promo ends. And you can always sign up $1 for the first month, $9.95 afterwards. But dang, man, that one year, it's worth it. It's worth it. Plus, after that one year and you pay the full price, you get Paramount Plus, which is like $250 in value for one thing. Like you pay OU Insider, 24-7 Sports, 108 bucks, and you get Paramount Plus to go along with it free. You get the offer. You get Tulsa King coming up with it. You get... uh. You get, uh, I think it's, uh, can't remember what it is. Uh, the the one with Jeremy Renner, I can't remember what it's called, but it's a great show. I've watched every episode. Uh, you get 1883, you're gonna get the new Yellowstone prequel, the 1931 that's coming out. You get 
2000 movies. I think what's Top Gun? Top Gun Maverick's going to be on Amazon, or Paramount Plus. It's going to be, and you get it for free. You get it for free if you join OU Insider and you're with us for a year. So you just got to wait a year. You get all that stuff for free, man. Or you can sign up now full price. I mean, you can do what you want. But I'm just telling you, it's worth it's worth it. It's worth it. You get daily notes from us. You get daily team notes. You get daily recruiting notes. You get VIP chat. You get VIP video. You get VIP uh, everything from us. You get the answer. We answer questions. You PM us. We answer your private messages all the time. You PM me or Parker, we answer you. So, I mean, there's all this access. Plus, you get all 250 sites on 24-7 sports. So, it's worth it. So, $53 right now through Wednesday night. Uh, we'll get you one year of OU Insider plus all 250 24-7 sites uh, VIP-wise. Uh, or you can do $1 for the first month, $9.95 afterwards. All right. That's going to do it for this version of the OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners podcast. For Parker Thune, my name's Brandon Drum. You guys have a pleasure.